Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad you're here today. It's good to share this time uh, with, with the brothers and sisters in Christ as we uh, worship the Lord together, and we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that God will bless you in a special way as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each, on each row. Uh, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it, up, fill it out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, we have several activities that are going on I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, Friday we will be having our annual uh, fall festival and the The community really turns out for this. Uh, We will have a lot of people here on Friday evening uh, sharing and fellowship and eating chili together and hot dogs and playing games and enjoying all the costumes and, and, uh, and just having a good time with one another. So we invite you to come on Friday evening. Uh, that will begin at 5.30, and uh, we'll probably finish up somewhere around 7 o'clock or 7.30 or something like that. And, um, and we could use your help as well. We, we, we need some volunteers to help uh, serve and to... Uh, and to help run some of the games that we'll be playing, and um, and also need some money uh, to help fray some expenses. And and I think Sybil, I remember she said she wanted to make an announcement about this. <laughs> Did I steal your thunder? He's stealing my thunder, guys. Okay, like he said, we will have the fall festival this Friday. Uh, we plan on setting up and decorating Thursday evening about 7:30. We're going to start. Changing this from basketball court to a fall festival court. So anybody that wants to come and help us decorate, we will start about 7.30. Lana still needs four people to make two or three dozen cookies. If you're able to do that and you haven't already signed up, please let Lana know. She needs those cookies in here about noon on Friday. If you're going to help decorate Thursday night, you can bring them with you Thursday night. Um, And the cookies are going to be to serve with the chili and hot dogs. We are also in need of cupcakes. So if anybody wants to make about two or three dozen cupcakes, the cupcakes will be used for the cakewalk. 
And we want cupcakes, not cakes, because we're going to run that cakewalk continually for that two hours. So if we give up one cupcake, it will buy us a lot of time rather than one great big cake. Um, Lana also needs three servers to serve Friday night, the chili and the hot dogs. So if you haven't already signed up to serve and you're interested in serving, get with Lana and she'll sign you up to serve Friday night. Um, And then we will be breaking down Friday night after the fall festival is over with because we have upward basketball at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. So if you can't help set up and you're interested in helping us break down and put everything away and get this turned back into a basketball court for Saturday morning, we will be doing that right after the fall festival is over Friday night. Thank you. It'll be right after, probably about 7, 7.30 when we quit the fall festival. We will immediately start tearing things down and putting the tables away and getting the basketball court, the goals out and everything. About 7, 7.30 Friday night. Don't you love our building? I mean, we can, we can run it through so many uh, iterations and short period of time. Uh, we are set up for worship here today. Uh, but speaking of, of our building and the iterations that, uh, that it, it has, we are in the midst of upward basketball and cheerleading, and um, so we will be practicing this week again. And so if you wouldn't mind, uh, we, well, for one thing, we could use you, your, your time to volunteer um, on Saturday or a Tuesday or Thursday, sometimes just to be here and to be a friendly face to folks. It, that, that helps a lot. Um, but also we could use your help after the service today to break down the chairs, stack the chairs, and so we can get ready for our, our basketball and cheerleading coming up this week. Also, that we will be having a Dawnings meeting this afternoon at 5.30, and so if you're a part of that group, please uh, uh, be sure to, to be here for that. And, um, and now I will turn it over to Chris, our moderator. We have one matter of business we need to take care of today. As you recall, we had deacon nominees submitted by the church. Uh, The deacon body has met and uh, submits to the church a slate of deacons for 2015. Uh, They are Christine Cornelius, Greg Gibson, Sybil Keach, Mary Rye, Allie Yost, and Nibby Priest. Uh, Allie and Nibby would be uh, ordained at some time prior to or around January 1st. So this comes to you from the deacon body as a slate. We don't need a motion or a second. We simply need a vote. All in favor of accepting that slate of deacons for beginning service January 1st, 2015, signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed by no. That carries, and that will be your deacon slate. And now, do you have other announcements? Uh, Just just one correction. I said Dawnings will meet at 530. It will meet at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock instead. Let's stand and greet each other.
Responsive reading today is mutuality. <clears throat> Please join me in the responsive reading. Life is meant to be shared. In real fellowship, people experience authenticity. It is only as we become open about our lives that we experience that fellowship. If we live in the light, as God is in the light, we can share fellowship with each other. In real fellowship, people experience mutuality. Mutuality is the art of giving and receiving. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding. Mutuality is the heart of fellowship, building reciprocal relationships, sharing responsibilities, and helping each other. Paul said, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. All of us are more consistent in our faith when others walk with us and encourage us. You are not responsible for everyone in the body of Christ, but you are responsible to them. God expects you to do whatever you can to help them. Amen. Stand and sing hymn number 227.
reading from the day comes from Matthew 23, 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavenly burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on their shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make the, phyl- the phylacteries brought on their fr- fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and, and their best seats in the synagogues. And to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have to be called them rabi, but you have, you are not to be called rabi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students, and call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven, nor are you to be called instructors, for you to have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exact themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted.
know what we're going to be for Halloween. What are we going to be? You going to dress up? Going trick-or-treat? Going downtown to pray? What are you going to do? I think it's supposed to be 50 degrees on Friday. You might want to wear a coat. <laughs> well, that's one time it's fun, and you can be somebody else or something else. I've had kids to come to my door as creatures and bugs and flyaway things and all, besides being Cinderella's and princesses and all those fun things. Well, that's good. That's good. That's fun. But it's also a lesson on how we need to be real people to ourselves. Now, I have to be very careful on Sundays like this and not steal the preacher's thunder, okay, because he's going to be preaching on... This is a big word. I'm going to say it, but we're not going to stay with it. He's going to preach on this word called it's kind of hypocrisy. Almost sounds like a hip something, doesn't it? Whatever. Well, we're not. We're going to use a word that you've heard, and it's sincere. When we are sincere, we do what we say and say what we mean. We're real about things. So I found a few quotes and things I want to share with you this morning. All right. A sincere apology, if you're going to say I'm sorry, has three parts if it's sincere. You not only say I'm sorry, but you say it's my fault and what can I do to make it right? Ooh, that's pretty good for all of us, hey? Uh Now, you all, as children, are more apt... If I sat here and just told you everything you ought to do, you're probably going to go, oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. But your eyes are going to watch me. And what I do, you learn more, as much from, if not more, than trying to do this, and you listen. So our actions around your friends, they're looking to you to see if you, Jesus has taught us those values, right? and how to act and what to do. So they're going to look to you to do that. All right. This is one of them. If you tell the truth, okay, tell the truth, it's in your past. It's over. But if you lie about something and not tell the truth, it's going to follow you. It's going to keep going. It just keeps, keeps alive. So the solution to that is what? Tell the truth. Right? Okay. And... Being honest may not always get you a lot of friends, but you know what? It will always get you the right ones, right? If you're honest about things, okay. Well, with all that said, I thought, you know, all these values and being real and all, a meaningful life, a life that, that means something is not being rich, and it's not being popular or being perfect, but it's about being real, being able to share ourselves with others, touch others' lives, and it is only then that we have a full and happy life. Okay? So, I'll leave you with this. As long as you're true to you and your values, which Jesus has taught all of us, You need not worry about the opinion of others. You're doing what you should be doing. Okay? Have a fun time, Halloween. Are we doing our little offering thing anymore? Mary?
I'll just, I'll just give it to you and, and put it in the jar. Okay? Okay. See ya. Uh-huh. All right, ladies. Let's stand and sing off to her again. Father, you are the creator and source of all things good. You have showered us with greatness and love. Look into our hearts and receive this heartfelt thanksgiving we offer to you. You are the rock of our spirit, and without you, we will be nothing. You have provided us with a family, friends, a home, and food each day. We offer you these gifts as symbols of our utmost gratitude for your kindness. May these gifts multiply and that everyone in our community can benefit from them. In Jesus' name, amen.
is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, isn't it? And that's why we're here today. I want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you have ever tried to sell anything? Yeah, okay. I, I don't think I would be wrong if I said that at some time or another, every one of us has tried to sell something. It may, may be no more than trying to sell your toddler on the idea that vegetables really do taste good. Okay, so you're still trying to tell your, sell your teenager or your husband on the idea that vegetables taste good. But, but all of us have been salespeople at some time in our lives. In fact, it could be said that selling is our oldest profession. Remember the serpent convincing Adam and Eve to take a bite of the piece of fruit? An apple a day will keep the doctor away, I'm sure he probably said. So you see, salespeople have been with us since the very beginning of time. It has been said that humankind is divided into two classes. Those who earn their living by the sweat of their brow and those who sell them handkerchiefs, cold drinks, and air conditioners. And some of you probably remember when... Door-to-door salesmen were a regular part of our society. We had the Fuller Brush Men and Avon Ladies and uh, people coming around selling Encyclopedia Britannicas, things like this. And some salesmen even sold Bibles door-to-door. Any of you remember that? Some of you may have been a Bible salesman. I don't know. Uh, but, but every once in a while... Uh, a Bible salesman would have a, a prospective customer say something like, I can't afford it. But I heard about one Bible salesman who was prepared for this. You see, when someone told him that they couldn't afford the Bible, he would extend the Bible to them and say, would you put your hand on this book and repeat that? <laughs> I heard about a woman who sold a book in a yard sale a while back for $3. It was titled, How to Make Money. And she told the purchaser, you're going to get rich from this book, even though she had never read it herself. But unbeknownst to her, she spoke the truth, because you see, her husband had been secretly using this book to hide $100 bills. And so the customer was at least $600 richer for his $3 investment. Pretty good buy. One anonymous poet once wrote, Most salesmen get in heaven in spite of how they rate. Before St. Peter spots them, a foot's inside the gate. <laughs> now, selling is an honorable profession. But let me ask you something. How would you feel if you encountered a salesperson who really didn't believe in his or her product. 
New Testament scholar N.T. Wright tells about a man who went to a store to buy some hiking and camping equipment. And so the salesman took him around the store, showing him everything that he would need for his upcoming camping and hiking vacation. He recommended a good ba- a sleeping bag, a good sleeping bag and a, and a tent. He sold him a pair of hiking boots and convinced them, him that he needed a proper stove and a cooking kit. He piled things on the counter that the customer would need, things like maps and a flashlight, a knife, and a first aid kit. He sold him all the packaged food that he would need, and on they went all around the store. And then finally he sold the customer a backpack to carry it all in. And at the counter, he placed all of these items inside the backpack, but the backpack was so heavy that the customer couldn't even pick it up. And so finally the customer backed up to the counter where the backpack was sitting and he placed his arms through the straps and staggered through the door. But as he was leaving, he asked the salesman, by the way, what sort of vacations do you take? Where where do you go? And the salesman replied, oh, I just go to the beach. I can't carry all that stuff. Okay, let's get that straight. This salesman was eager to weigh down this customer with all of this equipment, but he couldn't or he wouldn't carry it himself. That sounds a lot like an analogy that Jesus once used. He said, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you should be careful to do what they tell you to do, but don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and they put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to help move them. Everything they do, said Jesus, is done for show. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels long, and they they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats at the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But then he said, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call one another, anyone on earth, father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah, And then he said, the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, at first reading, if you didn't know any better, you might think that Jesus was anti-Jewish, anti-Catholic, and anti-education. You're not to be called rabbi. You're not to be called, not to call anyone on earth father. You're not to be called instructors. But obviously Jesus is not anti-Jewish or anti-Catholic or anti-education. However, he is anti-hypocrite. He was anti-hypocrite and he was anti-snob. The greatest among you will be your servant, he said. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. My friends, this passage of Scripture is directed towards anyone who pretends to be something that they are not. I chuckled over a story in Reader's Digest years ago. 
A woman wrote in to say that her brother had adopted a pet snake named Slinky. And being a a, a normal, that's a good name for a snake, isn't it? (laughs) And being a normal snake like Slinky, Slinky was, Slinky's diet included things like live mice. They would eat live mice. And so the woman said that she was pressed into going to the pet store one day to buy Slinky's dinner. <laughs> and what that meant was that she would be taking home some live mice for Slinky to eat. She said that the worst part of that was not choosing the juiciest looking creatures for Slinky's dinner, nor was it turning down the vitamins that the salesperson wanted to sell me to make sure that the mice lived a long life. She said the hardest part was carrying these poor things out of the pet store in a box that said, thank you for giving me a home. (laughs) Somehow that just didn't seem right, she said. But you know, it's important for us to see That Jesus does not want his followers to pretend to be something that they are not. He would not approve of that old sales maxim that says that we should fake it until we make it. That doesn't fly when it comes to matters of faith or or human relationships. Because faith and fakery live in two different worlds. Some of you probably remember a man named Nikolai Krzyzewski. He was a former president of communist Romania, and uh, he was a dictator of the worst kind, and, and a hypocrite he was. You see, Shashescu liked to present himself as a man of the people, but that was pretty tricky because he genuinely didn't like people. And even worse, he had a phobia about catching germs from shaking hands with other people. And, and so before Shashescu would... Would, would venture out into the streets to be photographed, shaking hands with the people. His secret police would go before him to, uh, to sanitize, to disinfect the hands of the people who were chosen to shake his hands. So he wanted to be a man of the people if they were disinfected first. But really, he didn't want to be a man of the people. He just wanted to appear to be a man of the people. But that shouldn't surprise us. You see, you see, Krzyzewski was a man who pretended to love his people. He was guilty of a lot of crimes against those very same people. And so in December of 1989, a popular uprising led to his arrest and execution, along with his wife, Elena. You know, there's just something repulsive about someone who pretends to be one thing but in reality is something totally different. There's something repulsive about that. Now, some of you may know the origin of the word hypocrite. It comes from the theater of the Greek culture. You see, a hypocrite was an actor on the stage. Sorry, Rick. (laughs) Just speaking the truth here, brother. (laughs) <laughs> a, a, a hypocrite was an actor on, on the stage but, but here's the thing Since actors often had to play 
a, a number of roles in the same play, they would sometimes wear masks to show which character they were playing at the, at the moment. And so the word hypocrite has evolved until it came to refer to anyone who wears one face in one situation and another face in another situation. Some of you have probably experienced people like that. And sometimes those experiences can cause you harm. Pastor Scott, Scott Harold tells about a man named Roy who was brought up in the church from an early age, but unfortunately Roy's family was a, a bizarre legalistic church family that warped his life. His dad was a pillar of their church. He was always there, never absent, even served as a deacon, but at home his dad was an abusive monster. And so as soon as Roy was old enough, he bolted from the church and he wanted nothing to do with it. Roy went on to become a rude, crude man who always looked out for himself, never cared about anyone else. One thing that you can say for him, he was no hypocrite. He didn't pretend to be one thing at church while he was something else at home. Roy didn't pretend at all. He was a scoundrel and he knew it. And he didn't care if anybody else knew it either. However, much to the surprise of his congregation, when he turned about 60 years, 60 years old, Roy started coming to church again. He would walk in late and he'd sit on the back row and he'd listen for a while, but he'd always leave before the service ended. Pastor Harold would try to talk to Roy about his faith, but Roy wouldn't have anything to do with the gospel or any of those hypocrites at church. But he kept coming, and he listened, and he watched. Mostly he watched the people. And within just a couple of years, God got a hold of Roy's life and changed his life. Scott said the people loved him to Christ. And he goes on to say that Roy is now a sweet, loving man. Evidently, Roy began to see that the people at church were not all like his abusive father. And Roy's father was a hypocrite, to be sure. The worst kind of hypocrite. But I'll say this. At least he took Roy to church. And at least as a child, Roy was exposed to the message of God's love. And I think that probably had something to do with Roy coming back to church, even if he was 60 years old, and even if he was just kind of scoping things out, trying to see if the church folk really did follow Jesus. But is there any parent in this room who has not felt like a hypocrite at some time? From time to time? And we may not be like Roy's father, but there's no such thing as a perfect parent, is there? And there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. But one thing you can do, if you have a young person for whom you are responsible, you can make sure that that young person is exposed to the love of Jesus Christ here at our church. People talk about hypocrites in the church, and of course there are hypocrites in the church just like there are hypocrites in any organization. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need the grace of God that God gives us, that the church provides us. But what could be more hypocritical than someone who says that he or she loves their children, but does not make sure that that child is steeped in the knowledge of God's love? 
My friends, Christ's message for us today is this. Get real. Get real. We need to take off the masks that we are wearing. And I know that Halloween is just a few days from now, and that's okay. But as far as life is concerned, it's time for us to take off our masks and live in the real world. Speaking of Halloween, I heard about an x-ray technician who worked at a hospital where the staff decided to dress up for Halloween. You guys going to be dressing up for Halloween? Some okay. This technician wore his standard uniform, which consisted of a dress dress shirt and a tie and a and a lab coat. But he made the rest of himself up at, to look like a werewolf. He had to uh, put on a shaggy wig and makeup, and he had long nails and lots of hair on his face and his hands. And, and I want you to picture that for a moment, dressed in a normal. Technician's uniform with a dress, tie, dress shirt and a tie and a lab coat, but made up to look like a werewolf. He certainly made an impression on one young patient. He heard a young boy who saw him coming out of the x-ray lab asking his mother, Mommy, did that man get too much radiation? <laughs> I'm not sure if I would be comfortable with an x-ray tech who looked like a werewolf and And neither would I be comfortable with an abusive parent like Roy's, who wore the appearance of a devoted churchman, but was really a monster. But here's the thing. It is so important that we be authentic in our service of Christ. Many of us have been impressed by the authenticity of the new Pope, Pope Francis. Francis has been noted for his humility, his, his concern for the poor, and his commitment to, to dialogue as a way to build bridges between peoples of all, of all backgrounds and beliefs and faiths. And we've been touched by decisions that Francis has made. Things like choosing to live at a Vatican guest house rather than at, in the apostolic palace where his predecessors have lived. It's a sign of his humility. Pope John XXIII also brought this sense of humility to his office. He was a real man, and he was a real Christian and a pope. And after being elected pope, one of John's first acts was to visit one of the large jails in in Rome, one of the large prisons there in Rome. And he said that as, as he was giving the prisoners his blessing, he told the men there that the last time he had been in jail was to visit His brother. Now can you imagine that? A Pope who confesses that his brother was in jail. What a breath of fresh air, said one commentator. The Pope, considered to be Christ's vicar on earth, came from a real family and knew what it meant to share the hurts and the joys of everyone else. Now I know a lot of people use the excuse... That the reason that they're not a part of the church is because of the hypocrisy of many Christians. And I guess one excuse is as good as another. But folks, we need to be mindful of the fact that people are watching us. Just like Roy was watching when he returned to church. And the last thing that these people want to see is a show. What they really want 
what they really want, what they want to see in us is that we are truly living out the gospel in our lives. They want to see that we really do love God. They want to see that we really do love others like Jesus did. They want to see that we are people of authentic character and faith. That's what people want to see in us, folks. So here's my challenge to you today. Take off the mask and live the faith that you say you believe. Because, folks, in today's world, nothing else will sell. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 287, Take My Life and Lead Me, Lord. We'll sing all three verses of this, and I hope that this is our prayer, that God will take our lives and lead us. And and I'll say this, you know what? God is more than willing to do that. God wants to take your life and lead you. But here's the question. Are you going to let God do that? Take my life. Lead me, Lord. Let that not only be your prayer, but your act as you allow God to take your life and lead you. Let us say. As you go, I pray that you may know God's power in practice. I pray that out of the glorious richness of God's resources, God will enable you to know the strength of the Spirit's inner reinforcement. 
that Christ may actually live in your hearts by faith. And I pray that you, being rooted in love yourselves, will be able to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know that love so that you may know with understanding who God is. Through this, you will be filled through all your being with God. Amen.